Welcome. You have been invited to Sacred Space, a previously pre-recorded live stream chat where we discuss yoga on and off of the mat. I am your host, Breezy Bree, and you are listening to Yoga Podcast. You can find me at lovebreezybreeyoga.com and always check out the show notes for more information, including a link to the website. Welcome. Namaste. Hello! Welcome, Sacred Space Practitioners. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited. As a quick reminder, this portion of today's live chat is going to be shared on Yoga Podcast. We did it a little bit differently this week. Um, Last week, we started off with the live chat and I allowed everyone to sort of roll in as we went along. This week, we did it differently. We actually opened up with our assignment, so we've all already had our discussion. So today we are going to just now start to transition into the live yoga chat. So just as a reminder to all of you lovely faces that I'm staring at on Zoom right now, (laughs) I will not be mentioning any of your names. That way you can stay in anonymity for the yoga podcast listeners. Yoga podcast listeners, welcome to the live yoga chat. Um, I know it's not live for you all, but eventually this will be something that I will want to do in some other forum for the public. But as I mentioned in last week's live chat, I have been working with these two groups for almost a year um, and we've all come together in the last several weeks um, to be in this like big group of practitioners where we can ask questions and we can do assignments together. And I will be sharing some of those assignments in the future on lovebreezybreeyoga.com for free for the um, blog readers, the yoga podcast listeners as well to participate in. And in the future, maybe host something a little bit more um, open to the public, rather it's on you know YouTube or some sort of Zoom link. Um, but I really wanted this to be about what I'm here to do, which is teach and not about me just trying to have a public forum for anybody to join. Also, including people who are not going to honor that sacred space, like trolls and naysayers and negative vibration people. Um, I did not want anybody to be subjected to that. And I'm still trying to discern how I want to go about that in the future. Okay, so let's go ahead and get started on the live chat. I already see a bunch of questions rolling in, so this is always really fun. Today, we have a pretty good group of people. We have 42 people on the live chat. That is a lot of people um, because the private groups um, have 56 people total. So it's always um, a big group. We do this every Saturday live together in the morning on Zoom, and I get somewhere between 30 and 50 practitioners um, just joining in on this part. So it's always fun to see the larger numbers. Now, I know it's not hundreds or thousands of people, but for 
our sacred space. It is really, really a good turnout. Um, we're able to all participate without it getting out of control, which is really important to me. It's just like teaching a live class. When you teach at a festival and you have 100 or 200 or 300 practitioners, you're really just teaching to the masses and you're just having a good time and you all are feeling each other's vibes and it's like being at a concert. And when you're teaching a workshop and you have 10, 20, maybe even less people, it feels very intimate. You can actually ask questions and get it to know everybody's name and and really go around the room and everything in between. So it's really, um, I'm a teacher that loves all of the above. So there's something to be said about one-on-ones and there's something to be said about being able to teach on yoga podcasts where I can have thousands of listeners listen to a single episode. Um, so lots of fun and exciting ways to teach nowadays. All right. So um, I have some personal questions coming in. <laughs> when did I first start practicing yoga? Um, I first started practicing yoga, gosh, been like I don't know like 20 years ago wow like a really really long time ago um I was actually practicing with a martial artist um discipline of martial arts obviously and he used to start every session with yoga and end every session with yoga but he never actually used the word yoga um he did teach class the some of the postures by name like down dog pigeon he never used sanskrit and he um never told us we were doing yoga so i didn't know i was doing yoga i actually just thought that that was a warm-up and cool down to martial arts never thought anything of it until i was reintroduced to yoga in a more formal way i had ran my first marathon had some really intense knee issues and my cousin actually suggested that I go to hot yoga, which I did, fell in love with it, and the rest is history. So I suppose um, that is my yogic story. Let's see, what is another question? Do I teach Sanskrit? Do I teach Sanskrit or do I teach yoga in Sanskrit? I don't know which one you mean, but I will answer both. Um... I teach yoga to beginners, trauma-informed yoga, yoga to athletes such as gymnasts, cheerleaders. That has been my specialty. And in all of those specialties, I did not need to use a lot of Sanskrit. However, my practice of choice is Ashtanga and the entire class is in Sanskrit. So I guess that sort of answers that. I do not teach Sanskrit, no. Um... I would like to get more into Sanskrit. Um, there is a very deep spiritual connection. There is a very high vibrational connection to Sanskrit um, that I truly believe in. And I've talked about on Yoga Podcast. And um, for my sacred space um, practitioner uh, practitioners, you guys do not hear me mention yoga podcasts pretty much ever. I don't think I ever reference it in any of our discussions. Um, so I'm doing this because this is publishing on yoga podcasts and the yoga podcast listeners are listening to this. And also for you all that are a part of this sacred space, 
this is the first time you're hearing me really talk about yoga podcasts. Some of you are very aware of yoga podcasts. Some of you aren't. Um, just so you know, I have over 400 episodes, closer to 450 episodes. Um, some are classes, audio classes, but the majority are lessons and sessions and lectures and really vital information for the beginner um, to yoga as a philosophy. So definitely invite you to listen to yoga podcasts. It is for free. You can catch it on pretty much every platform that hosts podcasts, whether it's Spotify, Stitcher, um, Apple Podcasts, or you can just go straight to my website, lovebreezybreeyoga.com. And you can listen to every single episode there. So they're all commercial free unless I'm hosting a commercial on it. Um, and that's really important to me so that it is all informational. And it is sponsored by the Lululemon Collective, which I'm very grateful for. And just one more little plug while I'm at it. We have raised over $25,000 to help support trauma-informed programs and practices such as yoga, but it also includes dance and other arts like creative writing and painting and music classes. And I am working on creating some really amazing opportunities for those who need it the most, whether it's children all the way up to the military that can really utilize these services. Working with those who are trained in this field from psychotherapists to clinicians. So more information to come on that soon. That was a shameless plug. I know, but I had to do it. Um, so yes, I would love to learn a lot more about Sanskrit from more of a spiritual place. I want to get more into practicing Kundalini yoga. My experience with Kundalini yoga has been very positive. There is so much more I want to talk about with that. I have discussed Kundalini yoga on yoga podcasts, and, um, I think there is so much more that people do not understand and, and know. And there's a lot of judgments that take place. And we all know how that never turns out well. So, um, but I would love to take more Sanskrit classes myself as a student and teach more classes where I can incorporate Sanskrit in them. But currently the type of teacher that I am and what I focus on, um, I'm really mindful with how much Sanskrit I sprinkle into the class, not only to be mindful to the history, the vibration, um, honoring that language and and just being mindful that I'm not that good at Sanskrit, but also realizing that it's very intimidating to some of the students that tend to come to my classes. Okay. This is what you guys love about me, right? One question turns into an entire podcast episode or, or complete yoga session all on its own. What does yoga give me and what does it take from me? Oh my gosh, that is deep. <laughs> I love it. Yoga gives me a sense of community for sure. I mean, yoga means community. It really does. Um, it is about bridging a gap between me, myself, and I, but also myself and you. And it reminds me that it's a lifelong practice, that it gives me 
hope and faith that I always have something if I want to be able to be connected to. And I think we underestimate that as humans, um, that we really need that. That's what keeps us going when times are tough. And that's what keeps us flying high when times are amazing. Um, Yoga has helped me learn about myself, has helped me to expand in so many areas of my life, to see things very differently, to, I don't want to use the humble, hashtag humble word, but really has kept me from leaning too, too deep into my ego, which I think is important personally. And it has reminded me to enjoy every single day. Now, something that has made me feel similar has been running. Um, When I was a runner, an active runner, training for marathons and ultra marathons and just running in general, I felt that same feeling. Like, I'm so lucky to have legs that can carry me around because I want to. Um, Now, I do realize that when we talk about these types of topics, we are coming from a very, very privileged place. And it's not lost on me that we can go to a yoga studio or we can practice class or buy yoga pants or whatever, or even put on shoes to go run, that that isn't a privilege for many. That if you're listening to this or participating in this today, that you are very, very privileged. Um, So I guess it just reminds me of that, reminds me that this isn't something that we should take for granted. Life should not be taken for granted. What does it take from me? Gosh, um, my innocence. <laughs> my, my, you know, I'm not allowed to blame anybody else anymore. Um, I understand the chakra system wholeheartedly. I understand that it's work that I have to do for self, that I can't lean on somebody else. I can't blame them for my misfortune, whatever that may look like. Even when someone else could be blamed, I still need to ask myself deeper questions. So it's it's taken from me the ability to be unaware because I've aligned my chakras. I've had a true awakening. I like to think that Yoga, Y-O-G-A, really is your own God or goddess awakening. Um, And part of my group in today's uh, Zoom call is from the Sacred Circle, which we talked about that in such a deeper spiritual way. Um, So, yeah, that's probably what it's taken for me, but it's, it's a gift, you know, it's really a gift. Um, is there, oh, wow. Is it annoying to me at all that yoga became so popular in the West? I love this question, um, because I've been to many, many places and I've had many friends and I talked about this on yoga podcast. I used to hang out in college with, um, a group of East Indians and, You know, we talked about everything such as yoga and um, it never bothered them. 
at all um, that yoga was westernized. And the friends that I knew who practiced yoga and some didn't said that yoga wasn't even that popular where they were from. Um, that it was the way that it's popular in the West is not how it's seen in the East, um, which I thought was fascinating. And actually on some of my travels, I was actually able to experience that myself. Um, that's not to say that it's not sacred though. And I think that's really important. Popularity is not so is not the same as sacred. And I think that's really the question really, or the way I want to answer it is, yes, it bothers me. And I think it bothers every yoga practitioner who is really aligned with the philosophy that this isn't taken as a sacred act, um, that it's not seen as spiritual. It's not religious, but it's not seen as spiritual um, by a, a lot of people. However, with that said, as someone who came to yoga kind of through the back door in a way, um, it was introduced to me through another sacred art, but it was really introduced to me um, in a very common way to Western society, which was through injury and ailment. Um, total, totally introduced to me as a physical act. But it soon became a very spiritual act for me. So I think once you begin to align your chakras and, and move your body with breath and create the mind-body you know, connection, the spirit awakens rather someone is awakening it from for you or not, or rather you realize you're walking into a sacred shala or you're just walking into a hip hop studio class. Um, I do think that we have infinite wis wisdom within self and yoga has a vis visceral effect on that infinite wisdom. So I don't think we need to focus on the politics as much um, and just lean into the awakening. You know, sometimes we can focus on exclusion instead of focusing on inclusion. So however, if the entire world decided to start practicing hip-hop yoga, trap yoga, metal yoga, I'm naming all the yogas that might seem offensive to a sacred practitioner, i rather that than what we currently see today, which is not enough people focusing on mindfulness. All those classes introduce introspection and mindfulness. And that's what we really need is, is more children to learn mindfulness and turn into very mindful, aware, and awakened adults. I don't care how you get there. Just get there. I don't care if you come by boat, plane, train, bus, taxi, Uber, bicycle, right? So I think it's more important to focus on that. I do understand with cultural appropriation and cultural appreciation, we have a very huge political issue. I've talked about that on Yoga Podcasts. I understand that as a woman of color, I have been discriminated against. And I understand the need for appreciation of cultural differences more than I can even state in in today's chat. Um, but I'm also seeing the awakening that's happening from 
a political perspective, a cultural perspective, a spiritual perspective. And I know my greatest of grandparents would be proud. So, and they probably would have never imagined it. Okay. What is my favorite yoga style and how can someone find theirs? Ooh, love this question. Almost said your name. <laughs> um, well, my favorite yoga style today is practicing by myself um, introspectively with whatever my body needs as I begin to practice, just instinctive yoga. Oh my gosh, I should write that down. Instinctive yoga. That's my favorite. Um, in the past, however, my favorite has been hot yoga, just hot vinyasa yoga and ashtanga yoga. And probably, um, trying to think, workshops. I love attending them. That's, I love teaching workshops too, but probably because I loved attending them first. I also like yoga fusions, like uh, yoga lattes when they infuse Pilates and yoga, um, yoga dance fusions. Um, you know, I, I love so, so many yogas, uh, disciplines. My favorite um, practice of yoga in general is pratyama. I love breath work. I love just practicing you know, different variations of pratyama. Even if I never practice asana, I will always practice pratyama. It's my favorite. Um, how can someone find their preferred? For me, I went to every discipline that I could get my my hands on. Um, I tried everything. I, you know, there's still practices I haven't tried. Going to festivals where you can get into lots of different classes in two or three days was really eye-opening for me, um, which reminds me one of my favorite yogas is Thai yoga, which I do not do enough of, and a yoga that I really want to do a whole lot more of is when you just bring that Chinese um, influenced yoga in with the East Indian um, influenced yoga, like the Thai yoga, for instance, but there's so many more. Those are probably my favorite, probably because I really respect and practice martial arts. So um, yeah, I think the way that you find your, your specialty is by practicing and also realizing that there's so many layers. There's disciplines, but then there's teachers that can influence disciplines, the liking of disciplines and not liking it. You might like Ashtanga yoga with one teacher and, and maybe just not with another, even though that's a very structured, disciplined sequence class. I still have noticed that I still like certain teachers, even though they're all teaching the same exact thing. Um, it's energy, you know, it's, it's really about energy at the end of the day. So just practicing, I think it's good to practice all of the time. And I think it's good to practice by yourself. Um, instinctive yoga, you know, but the, you need to learn, but sometimes just getting on the mat and, and moving the body with whatever feels good is, is the best practice. I hope I answered that, but just get out there, practice, 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 practice. Um, Oh, this is a great question. What 
is my advice for a Christian who might find it controversial to practice yoga? And what is the relation between yoga and religions? I talk about this a lot less than I used to on yoga podcasts, but I used to talk about this a lot more. We have to remember that yoga was practiced by very religious people. We do not know the full origins of yoga. Some people say yoga goes all the way back to Egyptian, to Kemetic um, people and cultures and religions. Some people say it doesn't. Either way, a lot of what people consider to be in contradiction with other faiths in the practice of yoga can be some of the Hindu um, foundations of yoga. There are some postures that have meaning that may seem, that may represent, let's say, honoring a god or goddess or gods. Or some people think even I talk about the moon as if I'm worshiping or honoring the moon in a way that seems religious. Um, all of that's open to interpretation, first and foremost. But we do have to remember that some yoga is practiced by very religious people. If you're a very religious person and you practice something, that something may become very religious or may seem very religious or become religious, religiously rooted. Um, but yoga as a philosophy is not a religion. There are some disciplines that are more spiritual than others, such as kundalini yoga, that's going to be very, very much more spiritual than, let's say, um, trap yoga, <laughs> which I don't know if trap yoga can be considered a discipline now. But um, ashtanga yoga may feel more spiritual than maybe just a relaxation class. So if you are having a contradiction with your own faith, rather it's Christian or Catholic, or, you know, Muslim, or anything, then you have to discern that because your religious beliefs is a personal belief system. Yoga meets you wherever you are, meets you on the mat. If you decide to get on your mat and pray to Jesus Christ, and set your intention towards your prayer or do a Hail Mary or whatever your faith may be, then honor that. If, if not doing a yoga pose because you researched that pose and that pose represented something that you are uncomfortable with as it contradicts with your belief system, then don't do the pose. If you find that you have more contradictions with your belief system then benefits of practicing yoga, you might not want to practice traditional yoga as the philosophy is under the yoga sutras of Patanjali. And what I mean by that is if every time you practice yoga, you feel guilty or shame or stress and anxiety you are not creating happy cells in your body from a biological perspective. So 
you are actually going to cause more harm to yourself by doing anything that makes you feel uncomfortable. Rather that's yoga, rather that's going on a run. It doesn't matter what, what you're doing. If every time you went for a swim, you thought you were going to drown, but I'm a swim teacher and I'm telling you you're not going to drown if you wear these floaties or if you practice in a three-foot pool, but you're convinced you will, you will never feel comfortable and safe. I've actually been a swim instructor, instructor or swim lifeguard for one summer <laughs> in my life. And I could not get people who were fundamentally afraid of water to not be afraid of water. Rather, that was because they were traumatized as a child or there's something deeper rooted in their trauma um, system. It just wasn't going to happen. I didn't, we didn't have the time and space to make it sacred for them. So we weren't going to be able to work through that in a one-on-one -on -one environment, unfortunately. However, with a one-on-one -on -one environment, a swimmer could become more comfortable swimming and it's just going to take a lot of time and patience but you're not going to get that in a group swimming class right that's the same thing with yoga that's the same thing with anything when I go walking with my dogs and I walk in the morning I feel less anxiety than if I was walking and the sun started to set if I'm walking and there are a bunch of people around who seem really happy, I feel less anxiety than if I'm walking and there's one other person and that person seems a little unhinged. If I'm walking and I feel like I'm in a very safe neighborhood versus if I'm walking and I feel unsafe. I'm still walking, but it's changing my stress levels. So... I answered that question very differently than how I used to answer the question. I used to just say, yoga is not a religion. It is a philosophy. It meets you on the mat. If you're very religious, then it can meet you wherever you are. It was once practiced by very religious people. So there are very religious connotations. If you delve deep into what those connotations are, it could contradict your own belief system. However... I do not know what some mudras mean. And I have a book on a thousand meanings of mudras. And I literally have another book. And some of the same mudras have different meanings. Some have very religious connotations. And some have straight biological healing meanings. So I have to decipher which one I want to lean into. I think it's just open to interpretation. This is the gospel according to Breezy Bree. Someone else may answer this question very differently. Someone who is very religious, who practices yoga, teaches yoga, and is of the Hindu faith may completely disagree with everything I just said. So I, I do think you have to discern this from your own perspective. This is a very good question because it's one of the most asked questions that I get outside of can I practice yoga if I'm not flexible. So it is it is a very hot topic. I also am a confirmed Catholic um, and I grew up in the Catholic faith and I used to go to confession and I was really involved in Catholicism. I was a catechism teacher. I went to, um, you know, sessions, lessons, lessons and lectures that were hosted by the Monsignor. I used to practice um, 
my faith at a um, parish that specialized in seminary. So I've witnessed nuns take their vow. I've witnessed priests take their vow. I've um, been able to go to lectures and be a student with priests who were in training. I mean, I was really involved in the Catholic faith. Just And this was not super long ago. We're talking, um, gosh, like several years ago, okay? And I was still practicing yoga and I was at this lecture where we were talking in a free forum like this, but in person. And one of the priests who was about to take his vow brought up yoga out of nowhere and said that it was blasphemous and it was a sin. And I hadn't really ever thought about it before that. And that really messed me up for a while. I actually went to confession. I talked to the priest. I have an amazing priest, um, who had a family, a wife and children, and they were all killed in a car accident. And after that, he felt like he got the call and became a priest. And then he ended up becoming a seminary um, priest where he taught, you know, um, up, up and coming priest. And he's just a realistic priest is the only way I can put it. Um, and I talked to him about it in confession and it was the type of confession where you just sit across from each other in chairs, just very casual confession. And he gave me some beautiful words of wisdom, which I'm going to keep sacred, but obviously I'm a teacher of yoga and I'm hosting this live Q and a today. So I found peace with my faith, my religion, my spirituality, and my practice my philosophy and I think that's something you have to do now I am not as deep into the Catholic faith as I was at that time I still very much honor and respect the Catholic faith um, I think it's a beautiful tradition but I am not a religious person anymore um, which I've never talked about in an open forum I mean I, I'm assuming people can guess maybe some of my spirituality beliefs, but I'm absolutely not religious. Um, and there's many reasons for that. There's some political reasons for that. I think religion and politics are more parallel than they are not. Um, I have deep spiritual faith, however, and I am very much, I think, respectful, and I honor all religions and all faiths. So... Part of me not being religion religious is because I respect all religions. If you tell me you worship whatever it is, I respect that. I don't I don't think my belief system is better than yours. I don't think I need to convert you to how I think. Um, I don't think I have all the answers. I don't think any human has all the answers. I do believe in higher energy, higher power, higher vibration, higher self. I do not think every human is tapped into that, unfortunately. Um, now, what that is, if that's a, a, a figure that you want to call upon, if that's a god, if that's a goddess, if that's god and goddesses, that's up to you. That's up to your religious beliefs and your faith. I am not here to judge, period, nor be judged. Um, so, you know, again, that that's my take on it. Don't think that um, if you're really, really a religious person in any type of religion or faith, 
you will probably be in my sacred groups, um, I'm guessing. I'm guessing that many of us have religious foundations that we respect and honor and, and have value in tradition and culture. Um, but I do think most of us here are open-minded, are still figuring ourselves out, are still finding peace within our own belief systems and are still dealing with some traumas from religious belief systems and authority and in some cases um, control. So I understand that as well. Okay, that was deep. <laughs> this, these are deep questions. Oh my gosh. Oh, look, an easy one. I'm going to answer it. What's my favorite color? The color Tiffany blue. Yes, my favorite color. Um, if you knew me in real life, if you know me in real life, I think there's a couple of you who do. You know that Tiffany blue is my favorite color. I do not ever wear Tiffany blue. Typically, I have a couple of Tiffany blue things. Um, but my condo is decked out in Tiffany blue colors. Um, I like old Hollywood um Boho Glam is probably my favorite design decor. Um, I just love that vibe. I know it's basic <laughs> on some level. It's super trendy, but I do think it was it was my style before it became a trend. My mother is to thank for that. She is very free spirited. She is the queen of glam meets boho chic. Um, I grew up that way. Um, my mom is my inspiration when it comes to living in your own individuality. And I've just always loved that. I love divine feminine energy mixed in with divine masculine energy. And everything about what I represent in real life is all of that, I believe. So that's my style. That's my favorite color. And um, I do like the color pink as well. Um, but yeah, definitely Tiffany blue. So black, white, Tiffany blue, the color silver, a little bit of gold, a little bit of pink. Those are probably my, and then earthy tones like greens, um, brown and, um, beige, you know, those are all like my palette, I guess. So yeah, what's crazy is my office is lime green. Um, lots of different green variations, very earthy toned with the browns and there's lots of plants. And I used to work a lot of hours, like a lot of hours. We're talking 12, 16 hour days. And I never felt like it because I was surrounded by green. And when I'm at home, I feel like I'm underwater in a way, like I'm at the beach. I'm a very, very water person. So um, those are my two spaces that I like to live in. Um, have I ever done a yoga teacher training in India? I have not. My yoga teacher and best friend, my bestie, she's done a few in India. I have been to, um, the East. So, but I haven't done a teacher training. So no, I have not, but I have trained with teachers who have trained in India. Um, I do want to do that. That used to be high up on my list, but um, it's not something that I have to do. I have um, some really amazing mentors that are from India that I've trained with in person in America 
just not in India, but I have taken teacher trainings with Indian teachers from India, just in America. Um, so there's that. Um, is yoga not recommended for anyone, like people who have certain conditions or ailments or injuries? Well, if you're currently in pain, um, asana practice may not be something that you can do. Um, you might need to do it in a different modality, like you could do you know, yoga aquatics, so yoga in the water or yo chair yoga, something like that. Um, you might even be able to do rest restorative or um, maybe relaxation yoga. You can definitely practice yoga, though. But as we know, yoga under the asana umbrella, meaning the movements, the postures, the poses. But you can practice meditation, pratyama, the, you know, yogic breath. Pradyama. Um, you can practice yoga in so many other fashions, okay? Yoga is a philosophy. It has eight limbs. There is a morality to it. There is study. There is yoga off of the mat. So, yes, you can practice yoga. Um, for my listeners of Yoga Podcast, you might be wondering why my group students are asking these questions. Um, the two groups that are a part of this live session is we have the sacred space group, which is trauma informed practices, which includes yoga, but it also includes other stuff um, in that group. So we color, we draw, we have different um, lessons, different um, healing modalities that we work with. We have a psychologist that comes into our group and helps us with different um, therapeutic activities. So it's not just about yoga. And then my sacred space is about awakening. So we talk about all things esoteric, spiritual, the divine feminine, yoni cleansings, um, sacred baths. I mean, it's beyond actual asana or yoga. Um, so it's really fun because we do talk about yoga on both sides. Obviously, I introduce yoga and we have yoga practices and lessons, but we do not talk about yoga like, you know, practicing in a studio or um, we do breath work. We do meditation. Um, we've moved our bodies in both groups, but um, they still haven't had a chance to actually consider, you know, really delving deeper into the practice as students in, in this type of a forum. So to answer that. Um, do I have a favorite yogi or guru that inspires me? Well, um, I don't know that I believe in gurus because I think that that is giving our power away to somebody else who in most cases just knows a little bit more about one thing than us, but probably doesn't know something as much as we do about something else. So, I do not give my power away to other humans, celebrities, gurus, uh, you know, priests, uh, priestesses, whatever, spiritual leaders, whatever you want to call um, people in higher power and authority. I do think that it's important to respect and in some cases honor others, but I do not worship or 
or think of people in that way because I think that it's a slippery slope for someone to take advantage of you. And I've had people take advantage of me who um, I looked up to. So that's that's what I have to say about the word guru. Um, but I do have people that inspire me. Um, you guys inspire me, and I'm not being cheeky. People who are listening to the podcast inspire me to do my work. You all who are in my group, the person who asked this question, I'm inspired by you. Um, being a student is what inspires me. Students inspire me. Children probably inspire me more than any adult ever could. Um, animals, my, my dogs inspire me more than humans probably inspire me. Um, but as far as like in the yoga community, gosh, um, well, <laughs> There's so many. I have some authors that I'm inspired by. Um, you know, it really just depends on where I'm at in that time of my life. You know, same with the disciplines of yoga. To go back to that earlier question, how do you find the type of yoga that works best for you or that you like the most? It's it's like everything's a season in life. When you are a certain age, you you might be more attracted to something. When you're going through something, I know I was going through a really huge breakup several years ago and you know, a certain type of yoga really helped me through that. When I was going through my injury and healing my body, I wasn't attracted to ashtanga yoga. I was attracted to a different type of yoga. Um, I think that's true of like people who inspire. I might inspire certain people who are brand new to yoga, beginners, because that's what I teach. So I'm, I'm only inspiring yoga 101 students. Or I might inspire those who are suffering from trauma because I talk a lot about healing um, and using yoga as a modality to do so. I might inspire um, gymnasts or cheerleaders because I'm a former gymnast and cheerleading coach. But I might not inspire someone who is working through something totally different than what I talk about or what I can help them through or mirror as a success, right? So um, so wherever I'm at in my present day is what I'm inspired by. If, um, right now, I'm inspired by this dog trainer <laughs> that is helping me to train my newest addition to my little family. So I am completely watching all of his videos. His, I'm part of his online training, his live trainings, his YouTube trainings. Uh, I'm just, he's who inspires me right now because he's in the know. So hope that answers that. Um what would I advise for yoga beginners? Well, if you want to learn about the philosophy of yoga, reading Patanjali's Yoga Sutras is the most foundational, fundamental book for yoga practitioners, beginners, seasoned, you name it. It's something that we should all come back to. It's, a, it's the philosophy of yoga. If you read Patanjali's Yoga Sutras, and you do not feel connected to those sutras, then you're probably not connected to the philosophy as a whole. Um, you can read the, uh, the Gita, Bhavara Gita, and not feel connected to it, right? Because it's, it's more of a religious, spiritual text. But the Patanjali Yoga Sutras, um, Patanjali's Yoga Sutras, 
is the philosophy. It's the eight limbs of yoga. It's what we talk about. It's what we practice. It's the why. Um, it doesn't mean that you don't enjoy asana, but it just means that the philosophy is not what you're attracted to. If you practice yoga asana purely for physical reasons or because it's fun or it's trendy, you know, the purists are not going to like that. But I, I like to say, whatever brings you to the practice, you know, write in on it, okay? I think the practice will open up to you bigger. So that's what I would first advise. The second thing I would advise is to get a one-on-one -on -one yoga session with a qualified yoga teacher who specializes in yoga for beginners, okay? I think it's helpful and beneficial to your foundation. If you cannot get a one-on-one, -on -one, but you can get into a yoga for beginners class, series, workshop, do it. If a studio that you practice with or an online course can allow you to take, a, uh, I don't want to use the word teacher training, but I guess like an immersion or just a training for beginners, do it. Listen to yoga podcast. <laughs> it is designed for beginners. It's designed for people who want to become students. It answers every fundamental question regarding yoga. It doesn't dig too deep beneath the surface. It is literally perfect for the 101 student. It is freshman year of yoga. So we're going to end on that note. We've been going for just under 50 minutes, which is what we had for today's session left over. We went a little bit long on the beginning um, portion. Thank you all my sacred circle um, practitioners who have come to the live um, chat. Thank you to my sacred space practitioners who have come, those on Yoga Podcast listening to this, thank you for lending me your ears. All of you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Please do go in peace. We are going to end today's session. All of you, goodbye. I love you. See you next Saturday, and I look forward to it. Namaste. I am so honored that you are listening to the Love Breezy Bree Yoga podcast. Never miss an episode. Download the free app on iTunes, Apple Podcast, Spotify, or Stitcher. Please also rate the show with five stars. I would greatly appreciate that. Visit me on my website at lovebreezybreeyoga.com. I include free yoga sequences every single month. You can leave a comment or message me and we can connect. Thank you so much. Have a wonderful, wonderful personal practice. Namaste.